parkour when you're rapidly improving at it has like the same effect as like a video game. You don't, you know, not every interaction has to be about parkour either. I think the problem is that not enough people discover the skill that they can stack with right. parkour. Yeah. Do you know what we're gonna talk about right now? <laughs> I, I knew exactly <laughs> when you did that. <laughs> we're gonna talk um, about Jules' video. Yeah. I bet that works. I actually, I, mean, I didn't do that, mm -hmm. but this weekend when I was training and we were kicked out and then went back to try to get like the clip, I like kind of feeling rushed and like elevated heart rate and like, ah, I really gotta get it before he comes back so that, you know. Um, I was like having to do some like breathing to relax because I was like too, too physiologically aroused. So, mm. do you, did you did you do the Huberman? Oh no, I didn't do the the what does he physiological call sigh. Yeah. Double inhale. Want to do one right now? Extra? Sure. Yeah. Ready? Mm. Three, two, one. Okay. Hello, welcome to STS. Wow, that was good. I feel good now. All right, so we're going to talk about Jules' video because um, if you haven't heard, Jules, J-U-L-S-S, was is released. That, is that how they're spelling it now? That's, uh, that's the name of this video. Okay. Uh, this video is basically the video produced by Julian, um, who I know him as. Uh, who's a, a local uh, Vancouver parkour character. <laughs> and uh, so it was released on the Commons YouTube. So if you haven't, uh, haven't watched it yet, go check it out. It's actually free. So this is one that is not a paid release. You can go watch it for free in its entirety. And it is nonstop movement. Um, so we're talking about like how films oftentimes like oh like people make it they want to make it more about the movement this is definitely undeniably about the movement right yeah agreed, <laughs> agreed. um and jewel has like a special place in my heart because uh well he he kind of came up through the gym and i was his coach for a really long time. I, I use quotations because he often wanted to learn things that were like things that I couldn't do. <laughs> so it was more just like I was supporting him and learning the things that he wanted to learn um, and trying to get him to work on the things that I felt like he also should work on. Um, but So coaching him? Coaching him, I suppose. I suppose you can say that. Um, but yeah, he's turned into this freaky deaky mover <laughs> and it's it's so interesting because the way he does parkour now is nothing at all like how he used to do parkour and it has I don't know it has nothing to do with me or my coaching or even probably the influence of the gym or anything that we've had to do with. So he's really come into his own, I feel. And, um, and so 
it's a really interesting watch because there's a a way of moving that he has it's very primal and like animalistic and very intuitive and not rigid and structured and very uh like it's very technical without being technical if that makes sense yeah, i think i think i follow you follow mm -hmm. okay so what are your thoughts mm, first off going Back to what you said about being freaky-deaky. <laughs> freaky-deaky. Uh, I wonder if we would put him in the same category as Beans or... Like, we tried to have this conversation before where we were talking about sort of, like, new style. Mm -hmm. So we got Beans, we got Kevin Franzen, we got Matt McCreary. Those are, those are the popular characters, you know? Um, and then we have Julian, who doesn't really i mean he he had clips in the video that like there's one from san francisco i recognized embarcadero that spot but in general he's not really known for traveling and doing parkour no know? yeah he's not really well he did travel with us and and me yeah, a couple that's times like, that's but that was way before was, the yeah, yeah, transformation that, was, yeah. that was when he was still mm -hmm. a young like early teenager mm -hmm. um but yeah, so you're talking about categories. I feel like it's it's interesting because because he I think loosely is adjacent to the new style category as a thing, but I mean in speaking to him, he really doesn't draw inspiration from others. He's really just like he's actually tried to separate himself from the mm -hmm. parkour world in a lot of ways because he used to be like hyper obsessed to the point where I don't think it was healthy for him. Mm -hmm. where he was, like, so self-critical of, like, like he would be landing swing cast fulls, but he's like, but it's not, like, exactly the way Alfred's looks. And so he would Alfred, be, like... Alfred Scott. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he would be, like, hypercritical in that way, and now he doesn't really care. I mean, I, he, I think there's still an element of care that he puts into his movement, but it's not, like... It's not so focused on being rigidly, like, fitting into the box of, like, oh, that was a clean landing or that was a perfectly executed flip. It's mm -hmm. more just kind of, like, goes by feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think, it's, I think it's a healthier mindset for him to not be hyper-obsessed with what the goings-on on Instagram or the new latest video are. And for him to kind of separate himself from parkour and just really do what he enjoys doing the most. Yeah, I think before uh, the, before people kind of maybe skip ahead in the, the conversation, uh, just just so we're clear, we're not just talking about this person and this video because of the local connection and everything. There are truly some unique never been done before, I've never seen before, skills that he pulls off in this video, particularly at the very end. And I actually made the mistake of not re-watching before <laughs> we recorded. I have actually only given it one full watch. Through. I've watched it, I think, like four times Well, now. I'm glad because you're going to have more to say. But I, I, have, I have some things to say um, just kind of about 
the theme of the video and videos in general and this video in particular uh, but I don't have as much to say about the individual things that happen. Mm -hmm. Two reasons. One, because I've only done one watch. Two, because I don't know what this motherfucker's doing most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. It, so <laughs> it's funny because like he, uh, months ago, he, um, I met up with him and he was like showing me some, some of the clips that he had for the video. And I want to say it's the second to last clip in the video. Which move are we talking about? It's the... <laughs> See, this is the problem. <laughs> is There's so many things he does in it that putting a name on is weird. Um, but I'll loosely call it Slant Kong Gainer Through a Rail. Oh, okay. I thought it was more of a pimp flip. Pimp flip and Kong Gainer, in my <clears throat> opinion, exist on the same spectrum. Yeah, um, but it's because he... He has to go slanted. Otherwise he has to thread gonna... under... Okay, so this is a weird description for those of you listening. Actually, if you're watching, you're not going to get <laughs> yeah, really that's... any better. But he has to put his hands on a wall and then thread under a railing and then flip. Yes. Um, yeah, so when I talked about, like, Olivier was actually the person that called it out for me and said, and said pimp flip. Otherwise, I, I may have guessed something else or just been like, what was that? You know? Sure, it's a pimp flip slash almost Kong gainer thing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a thread under a bar. But he, anyway, he, he was showing me the, the, these other clips and then he showed me that one and I audibly gasped. <laughs> And uh, and it's interesting because there's a few clips in there that I don't think you really can appreciate unless you take the time to slow it down. Uh, there's another flip he does where he flips in between trees and it's at David Lamb. Yeah. And if you slow it down, he's flipping. It's like a side flip. Mm -hmm. And he like ha like the branch is here and he has to like move his head out of the way uh, okay, so to you, not hit it. You were telling me about this and I didn't catch it on the walk. I, I got to rewatch. It's, it's hard to see it in regular speed. You have mm -hmm. to like slow it down. And it's like, holy crap, the amount of awareness that he had. And mm -hmm. if you watch it and when you see it, you like a real speed, it's like, oh, he didn't really like land it. You know, he kind of like lands and like kind of falls back or whatever. But just the fact that he threw his body through that space and was able to have the awareness enough to like dodge the branch and then still end up like he landed on his feet and then pushed back into mm -hmm. a back roll or something. Um, yeah, there's just... You're landing on a hill. Yes. So that's part of the reason. Dom dive rolled through there. Yeah. Which... I would argue is is not as difficult. No, as, no, as nowhere near through. as difficult. <laughs> nowhere near as difficult. There, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. I, I so I audibly gasped when I saw this this move, and um, and there was like a, a handful of other sc scenarios where I think uh, I think we were just talking about moves, and and he the way he was approaching this video was he actually had a list of skills that he wanted to be able to do for this video, um, which is actually very different from the way that I would practice or like train for a video is I, 
I tend to choose like like specific spots and it's like oh I want to do that I want to do a uh, an ascent on that building or I want to do this whereas his approach was like I need to find a spot to do what I have in my brain um and so I think we were just talking and brainstorming and I was like man I really like I haven't really seen 360 thread roll happen in uh in like a you know, it, it's been done before in I like I can recall but it's never been done in like a actually like small space and he like smiled and he said, I did it for the video. <laughs> and I was like, yes. So that was like when I, when he showed me, when he showed the cut, it was like that one moment there was like pretty awesome for me to, to see because it was really like the next level up for threading that hadn't, hadn't really happened in the way mm -hmm. that I imagined. And yeah, so, he go, he goes through like the one of like your standard double rails. Yeah, like really clean too. Like a small double rail. Yeah, really clean too. Like he's it's it's so hard to pull off like a three sixty roll and be as horizontal as as uh, Julian had to be in setting yeah. that one up. I'm really glad that you brought up the um, his approach to to creating this because you were actually the first one that told, told me that and then I confirmed it with him after the whole concept of he had ideas for tricks and needed to find spots to do them, which isn't entirely unheard of, but it's typically only heard of with things that you would guess, you, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. like, oh, like, I need a wall high enough to do this, like, yeah, I want to, like, I, th things that people, because I don't even know if he had done these sort of things in the gym, I doubt it. I think some of them, the first time he was, they were just in his head and then found a spot that would work for it. Because usually the way it goes is, like, someone learns something like a con gainer, and they learn it in a gym with mats. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, I got to take this outside, right? That's, that's kind of something that you're used to hearing is like, I'm going to take this to concrete soon, which, or outside one of, one of the two, one of the two things is a common phrase, but this approach, and I don't know if, um, we're even ex explaining it well enough. Um, cause I think we both get it mm -hmm. like, but it is, it is quite different. I've, I've never heard of someone starting a project. Like I'm going to do a series of clips and the majority of them are going to be based on ideas I have for movements in my head. And the scouting process is going to be finding spots where these moves can exist. Whereas, like you said, the, the norm, particularly for a more traditional parkour style, is find a cool looking spot and then start creating on the spot. Mm -hmm. um, and then the only other thing that I've, that I've heard of is like single moves that are done in the gym, experimented in the gym, and then taken outside after. Yeah, I mean, like I personally kind of did this with uh, with Ascension Two. Was like I wanted to do a thread roll mm. in an ascent, and I found mm. one. So it was okay. like, oh, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, cool, I found one. But it's like it's not to the same degree as mm. as what Jewel did, and mm. um, yeah, it, I I really do think what he's done in this video is pretty revolutionary. Um, and it, and it was, it kind of, I mean, he's kind of started on this process even with his last video, 
uh, which is the also self-titled Jules, J-U-L-S, single S. Um, and I think he's just adding S's now. I, 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 I think it's a, a good concept. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I just wanted to touch on, uh, I mean, like I mentioned some of the, some of the individual skills, but like I said earlier, it's so hard to even name what he's doing a lot of the time that, uh, it really does take multiple watches to go through and figure out what's happening, <laughs> especially because there's like the way he edited it was literally just compilation, mm -hmm. which is, you know, action, 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 action. There really wasn't much breathing room. And I think this is where I would be critical of the video is I wish it had a little bit of B-roll. I wish it had some failed moves or mm -hmm. uh, attempts in, in part of it. And um, to at least like allow me time to process like what I'm either about to see or what I just saw. Um, but if we're letting the movement speak for itself, it's speaking real loud. <laughs> it's, it's shouting. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you dropped the, the, the C word there, co compilation, because this is something that I wanted to bring up in, in talking about this film. Um, as I just said, film. <laughs> um, it's more of a, it is more of a compilation. Uh, and if we think about a video that we had recently spoken about, Crooked Man from Geo, kind of falls under the same light. I think that there's, pro we could, there's probably a tier that you could create in compilations where there's like Instagram compilation where it's very low effort. Like here, I, I just put a song over a bunch of clips that I had from a month or a year on Instagram. That's sort of one, one tier of compilation. I would say that Crooked Man and Jules have another level to that, but are still still compilations because in order to not be a compilation, they're, to, to actually be a film <laughs> um, or even, I don't know if we don't want to call them videos. I think that that's getting really too deep in the semantics, but um, to kind of get more out of it, particularly more, more viewership and more entertainment, you, you need to have story elements, uh, which we talked about in, on this podcast mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, so one thing that I was, I was really um, looking for that we didn't get out of Jules' video are fails. Mm -hmm. um, that would have actually added to some of the needed breathing room. Another way you can add to it is, is B-roll. Um, like wiping a spot or yeah just just little things but it's tough because sometimes only the the camera may just be rolling for the make for the make yeah right um because i'm assuming there were some tests and maybe some fails but he might be he might be one banging a lot of a lot of these skills yeah. i was actually wondering if you think jules would be into doing a podcast maybe he's He's actually, he has a lot to say, but I don't know how comfortable he is with being on camera and mm -hmm. talking. Um, but I don't know, we can, we can, see. We, we'll, we can we, ask we'll him. talk to him about it. Um, 
but it would be really interesting to delve into his process because mm -hmm. uh, he does, there are a lot of things going on in his head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, having said all that other stuff about the video, uh, I, I think it's not only worth a watch, it's worth a rewatch, I think is what we're, we're yeah. getting to. Um, but it is one of those things where you're not watching it necessarily for, or, or rewatching it for entertainment. You're watching it as an a, appreciation of some of the groundbreaking things that are happening. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the, what sets apart parkour videos sometimes is some people do end up just putting out compilations where there's a number of groundbreaking things happening. The problem is that because we see things every day on Instagram and because there's so many compilations and things out there, these sort of things start to get, to get lost. Mm -hmm. um, and so the extra effort put into some form of trying to engage people more or tell a story, it can be, um, can be really crucial. And I, I just don't feel like this, this really hit, but um, still, if you're, if you're a parkour fan, uh, it's 100% worth multiple watches because you're going to pick up some ideas and see a few things that you've never seen before. No doubt, no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, there was one thing I do have to mention about the camera work in the video that um, just made it a bit of a tough watch. Uh, one of, I'm not sure who, but one of the people filming for Jules tends to do this thing where they're filming and then as they're moving, they dump the camera. Like they, they do a, a tilt, but it's like a full 90 degree tilt. Um, so more than a Dutch. <laughs> and it just gets really distracting when the movement is already doing that. Like he, yeah. he's already turning and doing these things. And when the camera turns with you, like you can do that kind of thing once in a video, but it just, it just kept happening. And I was like, oh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, gotta, I'm, uh, I gotta set aside some time to, to give it a couple rewatches for sure. Yeah, there was a moment in where like the camera strap gets into frame. <laughs> that I actually don't mind as much. That's just kind of like raw, but yeah. <laughs> it is, um, it kind of fits with the theme of like his actual movement, which is like, it's not all polished. It's not all like mm -hmm. exact. It's kind of rough around the edges yeah. yeah it just it's just one of those things where as someone who's always i can't watch video or film without being highly critical of it yeah totally. uh, and when it's when it's just pure action parkour I'm, i tend to just get i get like zoned out a bit too much um so th this video to me was almost like begging for like can we just get like a a still shot Mm. you know like that doesn't move so that he's you know doing his thing but anyway um that's that's pretty much all i have to say i don't know if we want to jump into the next topic yeah we, we can talk about the next topic mm -hmm. so i was gonna say staying staying on staying on the topic of jules <laughs> or julian yeah. Yeah. uh he took a break from parkour uh he's taken multiple breaks mm -hmm. many breaks we'll say yeah and uh, and actually, for a while, 
I think you share the sentiment. We weren't sure if he would even continue with parkour. Yeah, at that, a that was for sure. My, like, I think you had, uh, before we started recording today, we were kind of going over this and you had mentioned that, oh no, he, he, he'll take a year there, a year here, you know, he'll take these, these uh, longish breaks or seasons. But from my perspective, it, at one point it felt like he had taken multiple years to where, and it, like I said, it also felt like he wasn't going to return. And not just Julian, but also some training friends, uh, such as uh, Bodie Fonseca, who still trains. Still, uh, yeah. still he's, I, you know, he's actually um, also pushing some really unique stuff. Yeah. It's, it's cool because, so, so let's say Bodhi is, Bodhi and, and Jewel kind of like started around the same time, came up together, were a little bit like competitive, but in a healthy way because they could, they could really push each other uh, to grow. And it, like, like you said, it also felt like at around the same time, they were both on their way out from parkour, and they were like, "Okay, well, we had fun with it. It was it was a good time while it, while it lasted, but now we're going completely different directions with our lives." And um, this is something that tends to happen a lot. Actually, we see it happen a lot with kids who are showing elements of talent. Uh, or just learning skills and seem to be into parkour. And over the longer term, they end up dropping parkour either for some other activity or just altogether, they just kind of fall off the face of the planet, for, yeah. at least from our perspective. Yeah, we're, we're talking about like phenoms, you know, where, and I, and I think you expressed this when you were sharing Julian's video that at first, you did not recognize this kid as being someone who was particularly talented or gifted or, or yeah. going to really take to parkour. And then you fast forward three years later and... Even like two years, like one, one year later, yeah, he yeah. was like, whoa, okay, like yeah. this kid actually cares a lot. They're not So a so couple of, I guess, criteria points. Um, these are kids that, you know, usually around the age where you're really specializing in a sports so like age 12-ish, around there, give or take, 14. right? And they're, they're really into the sport. So that's like a big part of it. Like they, they had a team, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're not just kids coming to the gym for classes or, or something, they have a team. They had they're, a YouTube channel, yeah, they they're, were making videos. <laughs> they're going outside, they're doing uh, all this stuff. And then they're, they're rapidly improving also is is the other thing they're doing stuff where uh whether it's like scalable parkour feats or or tricks things that you know as a as an older practitioner you're thinking oh that that took me like 10 years and they're doing it in like year one yeah and it's like you it's it's hard not to do this as you know a coach or a figure at the gym mm -hmm. to watch their progression and just think well if this progression continues five years later, they're going to be top level elite parkour mm -hmm. athletes. Mm -hmm. And uh, and actually this is something that I think you told me a while back is like, yeah, I try not to get too attached to the kids that are good because they're likely to quit. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's so much that they're back then that I knew they were likely to quit. 
Um, but yeah, it is, it is what we're talking about today is that, that a lot of these uh, kids, like this example we're setting right now, we have Julian and Bodie. There are other names on that team. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that aren't going to mean anything to our listeners here, but that were kind of the same, kind of the same level, the same amount of push. If not more talented. Yeah, and and completely quit. So so Julian and Bodie kind of took a break and then like fell in love with parkour again, right? There's other, <clears throat> excuse me, there's other uh, names and teams around the world though that we can maybe draw a parallel to. Um, one of the one of the big ones it, are the um, the former teens of the Modus Project. They came out here to SPL. There was like a big showing and everything. You have um, uh, Resurgence. Mm-hmm. Modus Resurgence was the was the video. They did the Origins video yep. where they went to. Uh, I know you're triggered by that one. <laughs> they went to. Uh, the birthplace of parkour, Lease and mm-hmm. Every. And uh, they also, they did like road trips. Giles documented their travels and mm-hmm. it was like a whole series that they were a part of. Mm-hmm. So it was like a tour. Yeah. Yeah. It- so I'm, I'm going to name some names on there. One of the big ones that stands out to me is, is Max Barker. Yeah. Because uh, we still got Keelan, who is very involved in parkour, you know, works for Store now. And They'll they'll kind of tease it in in a lot of the the blogs where like they'll show like one of the more recent ones that they put out he you know actually does some stuff at the spot yeah. but apparently yeah. it's like this is a rare sighting right mm-hmm. um, but similar to uh, like Julian and Bodie he can kind of take a year and come back and still be like quite incredible. Um, which is, is a testament to the, like, I guess, nourishment that um, in parkour exposure had b- between, like, the age 10 and 15, I guess. But, but going back to someone like Max Barker, uh, I don't have full information on this, but it seems like he just quit. More, more recently, I've seen him <clears throat> make some posts where he, trained, where he was training either outside or at the, um, the gym in his hometown. I'm forgetting the name of Scott Jackson's gym, mm-hmm. um, and it's cool. It's like cool to see him moving, but it's clearly like he's not doing the same thing as before. And it's interesting though because it feels like at a certain point with parkour, it became if you're not being or trying to be an influencer on Instagram, you're no longer doing parkour. Because mm. that's like almost like the, so we, you know, there, there's like a field of play, right? You can like compete at SPL, you can try to do like competitions, or in the case of uh, parkour, mm-hmm. it's also like if you're posting on social media and you're generating followers and views, you're growing as an athlete and mm-hmm. becoming more of a, but anyway, yeah. so he seemed to has have stopped that. It looks like he's still keeping movement a little bit involved in his life, but he's clearly not pushing his mm-hmm. level like he was when he was a teenager. Yeah. It's also just one of those activities or sports where it's it's just so progression focused. Yeah. Right. Um you could be, I don't know, a soccer football player and be a phenom 
and working your way up, but it's not as like in your face that, oh, this per person like really improved because like you're not seeing a soccer player all of a sudden like jump further or try to do like weird tricks or things yeah. that, that haven't been, you there's, know, like groundbreaking things, you know? Yeah, but there's also like doing the parkour you already know how to do mm -hmm. in different ways and that can still be interesting and unique and and there's still progression that's kind of embedded in that practice where if you do enough of that then you will still improve but i feel like parkour is actually not maybe not as progression focused as you were alluding to because you could still in theory go and do parkour sure, yeah, I without think, trying to improve. Yeah. But what, what I think I'm getting at is, is for a lot of these youngsters that we're, we're talking about, like you have a whole, whole thing that we uh, haven't watched yet, uh, Project Next Gen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the age range is in there, but it's like there's a certain point in parkour where it feels like you have these next gen type, ath like young athletes. Uh, and by the time they get like adult sized, you know, like 17, 18 years old, sometimes a bit younger even. And they can do a lot like bigger, a lot more scalable things. That's actually, I think where the, where the drop off starts to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, where it, again, they're, they're being often by their, their own community, whether that's like the global one or their local scene, they're being like put on like a pedestal almost, which when you brought up earlier about how like not getting attached to kids, that was one thing I was always kind of, I guess I just had, I, I could never really articulate it, but there was always this thing about kids that were like absolutely phenomenal. I was like, oh, I don't want to like, uh, like pump up their, I don't know, like pump them up too much, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, cause, cause it does kind of put them on a pedestal where they're getting all this like so much positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement. And if it ever stops, then what happens? Mm -hmm. um, and maybe it never, maybe it never stops. You know, maybe they go on to being like, being like world-class and just renowned all the time. I can think of uh, kids like Ellis Torhall, right? Who's 18, 19 now? What is he? I don't know. Maybe 19, maybe 20 yeah. actually. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He's still, still very young. He's about the age I was when I started mm -hmm. parkour. So, yeah. And, and the other, but like the crazy thing is, and this is gonna, like, it could sound wild to people is like, he could just suddenly quit. Could suddenly, and it's not so much like quit as like burn out, mm -hmm. you know? Um, because he, he appears to be someone who's like really chasing progression, really chasing like, like being, being the best. And um, you have some older athletes that do that as well, right? Um, and uh, I'm not even saying that, I'm not even trying to say that's like a negative thing. I think that's that's a that's a that's a great thing if if you have it in you. But it there also seems to be a point where a lot of these next gen young phenoms either burn out and take a break and then not really return to the same sort of progression, um, or they straight up quit. Mm -hmm. And I think it just depends on how how negative like some of the the forces against them are. What are the what are the, some of the forces that you? Have? <laughs> well, one one thing I'm thinking about is actually, mm, I hate I, I hate using like the word like word like dopamine, but um, it is what it is. I think 
parkour when you're rapidly improving at it has like the same effect as like a video game on almost like addiction like a video game you can do very boring mundane things in a video game like oh, i'm just trying to beat this level i'm just playing again and playing again but there's there's a sort of like much faster built-in reward system than there is in real life for doing like similar tasks mm. you know like you might be like clean in your house or something you know and it's like yeah like as you get closer to the end like you start to feel good you know like looking back at all the work you've done and you're like oh cool this this felt really good but there's a there's so many built-in things to like video games that that can keep someone doing like the the dumbest mundane thing like i gotta level up my characters so i just gotta fight this like w- these weaker characters again and again and again and i gotta do this for like five hours today in order to like go fight this boss but there's like there's all these other built-in things that are like formulated in video games and i just i think there's like a there's some sort of parallel with that and um something like parkour or skateboarding or um something that's very like individual skill focused um has just so much room for progression. There's so much variety in parkour. And so you can walk into a parkour gym or go onto the street as like one of these kids that's like really just picking up things quickly uh, and get all this positive feedback almost like instantly. But then there's gonna be a certain point where that runs out. There's a, there is a certain drop off point where either they, they grow to a certain point, like physically, um, and improvements in like their power sort of start to plateau um, or even in like their ability to like diversify or break mental challenges kind of plateau. Like there is, there is a certain point where it comes every way where like where you hit a plateau and it, I think it just depends on, so one of the forces against uh, one of these youngsters is, is like how long does that plateau last? And if it's, it, it, like if it's too long, that could be a, a, a reason for burnout. Yeah, so I think just to play off of the idea of like plateaus being one of these forces that helps or excuse me that hinders an athlete's ability to want to continue and mm-hmm. stay involved in in practicing parkour it's um I, if they've been receiving all this positive praise for so long and then when they hit this plateau if that runs out mm-hmm. that might actually be a, a a part of that and I also think um, injury is yeah. one of these factors which also can cause a plateau <laughs> which exactly which can cause a plateau because uh, and actually to bring it back to Jewel Jewel broke his foot real badly yeah and uh, I, have a, I have a picture with you yeah, yeah so it's, <laughs> coincidentally you were both in a boot at the and same crutches. time yeah and crutches at the same time but he broke his foot pretty badly doing um like he ended up uh basically dropping down i don't know 15 or more feet down into this just mangled area of bushes and who knows what else Mm -hmm. and just yeah his foot his foot was broken and so he i remember talking to him actually um kind of when he was getting closer to being recovered or he might have he might have full, fully recovered, and he he told me that he was like, yeah, when I broke my foot, I thought I was done. I thought it was over for me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't he he couldn't see the future. Him being like overcoming the injury and coming back to this parkour, and he was like, cool, parkour's 
done for me. And really, I think the only reason he continued was because we had a, you know, he had, he had all of his friends were still in parkour. We had the youth team where we were like, hey, even though you're hurt, you're going to come in and you're going to do workouts. Um, and, you know, his mom was, you know, had unending support for him to like continue with parkour because I think it was a generally good outlet for him. Um, but yeah, it, it was, if he didn't have all those other pieces in place, there's a very good chance I think we would have lost him. Like he would have stopped doing parkour. And I think that does happen to other kids where maybe they're having a, lo a lot of success. Because they're having a lot of success, they're potentially taking more risk or like attempting harder things. That results in them maybe going a little bit too far. They get injured then maybe they just feel like everybody's left them behind. Their progression is like no longer there. Maybe they just find a different interest in that time period where they're just um, either plateaued or injured. Yeah. I, I, that might be like, I think all of these, anything that we list, I, I guess, as reasons for burnout are probably all going to fall under some sort of plateau. It's like, yes, you... You were getting all this positive reinforcement, um, dopamine hits all the time, whenever you want. All you had to do is show up and do your thing. Mm -hmm. And then the, those, uh, those hits started to like spread out and happen like fewer and fewer and fewer. Um, and one of the things I guess that would keep someone in is if they're, they've already maybe handled like some sort of um, adversity in their life right if they had a a rough like pre-adolescent time or something or so you know something maybe like bad happened to them and they were able to overcome it uh because yeah i, I just see it as like if there's a kid where it's like everything's coming easy everything's coming easy it's it's just like a recipe for oh you're as soon as <laughs> as soon as it's not easy you're done yeah i was actually gonna say early success mm. i think too much early success could actually be part of an issue, right? If somebody's too, if somebody comes into parkour with already a really strong athletic ability and uh, ability to learn skills quickly, mm -hmm. they might receive, or they might progress very quickly early on. And then when progression ultimately either slows down or, um, or maybe they, they're just not recognized anymore for, or maybe it requires harder work to move to the next level than they had to put in earlier. That might be mm -hmm. a, a recipe for, okay, well maybe, maybe I'm going to go learn something else mm -hmm. now, or I'm going to go focus on my team sport. Yeah. So if you are a parkour leader, <laughs> um, we'll put on our parkour leader hat instead of our parkour observer, and this is happening, like you're feeling it happening. I guess um, we can talk about what what can be done, what should be done, if if you're recognizing that um, you know your local phenom is is burning out. Because I, I think potentially the wrong approach might be trying to push them to do more of the same. I mean, it really depends. This is like a very situation dependent thing, but I, I think there are times too where 
someone, a kid needs to like have a break from like being the best and feeling like they have to be the best uh, and know that it's, they're still appreciated mm -hmm. <laughs> um, just for being, for being them. Cause, cause this also could lead into this psychological thing where like they think the only way they're going to get appreciation is, is through the, the feats that they continue to accomplish. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's a very hard question to answer because it, I, in a lot of ways, I think it's individual. It meant it depends on the person. Um, and it also depends on your relationship with that person. So I don't think there's a one size fits all for this. Starting with communication with them is going to be the being, you know, like, <laughs> hey, like, how are you feeling? You know, mm -hmm. like, you know, t t trying to reach in beyond that. But I also wonder, like, I also think that there's, there's, um, it's healthy to take breaks from things. I've done it. I do it all the time, actually, still with parkour, where mm -hmm. I will take time away from parkour and come back to it feeling more refreshed and more, more desire to want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, like it's happened even recently, like this whole like winter season, I've been just doing weight training mm -hmm. with, you know, the like thought in the back of my head that, oh, maybe this is gonna help with some parkour, but really I'm just doing it for general health and mm -hmm. trying to like be a strong and capable person throughout my life. And, but it's gotten to the point now where I'm like, Ooh, I'm kind of like itching. Like mm -hmm. I like miss doing parkour. So I want to do it again. And so, uh, now like, and I've started to scratch that itch and it's like, yeah, okay. I love parkour. I like reinvested and I want to <laughs> do more parkour all, all of a sudden. So sometimes I think breaks are healthy, but, um, but it's during those breaks that we're most at risk of people like walking away mm -hmm. forever from parkour because, other interests can seep in or other activities mm -hmm. that, that draw them in. And I'm in a unique position where I am literally surrounded by parkour all the time. So I could turn it on whenever I want to. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I was an investment banker <laughs> or any other, or I'm a doctor or, or uh, you know, or I work at a grocery store or whatever it is that I do, I'm, uh, I'm not around it as much and it's easier for me to fall into other habits and maybe find other activities that I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I answered the question at all. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I wanted to bring up someone that, that you know very well. Uh, I'm not going to name them. Okay. Uh, but uh, he used to work here. Okay. He's a beloved coach and I'm going to say the most athletically talented coach um, was not a hard worker, <laughs> did not work for, was often criticized for not working for this talent, talent that uh, he had, but um, was still beloved, always, always positive by us because he didn't, um, he, he owned up to the fact that he didn't work to uh, mm -hmm. achieve things. Um, he I feel came... like I feel like that actually because he was a little bit lazy mm -hmm. it actually made him come up with really efficient solutions to things <laughs> I know it sounds funny so, but it's so... like 
he was just mm. like, oh, I don't want to do that, so I'm going to do this. And you, it's you, mean be... in, you mean in terms of like parkour solutions? Anything. Yeah. Parkour, just, just like, like yeah. everything he did. Okay. He did. It so was... I, I think I will put this person um, uh, who was truly great at parkour, um, like truly had talent for it. I would put them under the category as someone who I think it was coming too easy to them. And I think that's part of the reason why he quit. Um, there are also some injury factors and some financial factors because the other thing that we haven't talked about yet with this um, category of, of youngsters, because he was still quite young, early 20s, you know, mm -hmm. um, is when adulthood is creeping around the corner and you need to make a living, you need to make, a, you need to make money, you need to make a life. And a lot of times these, uh, these youngsters, these young phenoms, will try to make the life within parkour. Mm -hmm. Somehow try to make it within parkour. And I, I actually think that can be one of the negative forces that causes burnout. Um, yeah. It can be really positive at first because now they're getting more involved. Uh, maybe it's, we'll say it's coaching, right? But coaching is very difficult and so much of coaching has nothing to do with um, knowing anything about parkour, or even being passionate about parkour, um, it requires like a passion for coaching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like a, a, the other side of it that we've we've learned, right? Yeah, he's he was actually a pretty good coach. He too. was a good. And that's the thing. And that's the thing. Yeah, yeah he, he was a good coach. Mm -hmm. he, good at communicating. Good at bringing. I, I think. Down. I think it, intuitively a good coach. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Without having to work very hard at. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm actually really glad you brought this, this up because I was going to bring it up. But yeah, as, mm -hmm. as we get into like the later ages, uh, when real life starts to hit, there's a choice that a lot of times people end up making, which mm -hmm. is, do I choose to continue putting all of my energy towards parkour and then have this, I don't want to call it a delusion because mm -hmm. I have this delusion. <laughs> Of can I still make parkour work as a mm -hmm. career? Mm -hmm. Whether it's you know some you know some people might pursue stunts or try to do performances or coaching or um, or any number of the small <laughs> any of the small number of uh, current maybe start a clothing brand uh, pursuits in parkour maybe video um, editor. Mm -hmm. So it ends up being this this kind of divide in people's heads, I think, of like either I'm going to go all in on parkour or I'm going to do, I'm going to get a full-time job or mm -hmm. and do that and then kind of give up on parkour. And I think, I think interestingly enough, parkour feels like it's unique in that this dichotomy exists. I think a lot of people expect that parkour should be, you should be able to make a career out of it if you're, if you're working really hard and getting really good at it. But that doesn't always make sense for all sports either. Right? Like you could be really good at so many other activities and still have a full-time job mm -hmm. um, as an engineer or whatever it is. Yeah, and in those other sports too, because they're <laughs> objectively there's more people doing them. Yeah, uh, you have more competition. Yeah, it's like you're less special, right? Um, 
one thing uh, that you were, you were just saying I wanted to kind of get a little bit more into is uh, the, the like solutions to make a part of your life. And I actually think that's not a bad thing for someone to kind of have this pipe dream of parkour being it for them. Mm. Like this is going to be the centerpiece of um, how I make a living. I think the problem is that not enough people discover the skill that they can stack with right. parkour. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you're really good at parkour. That <laughs> There may be some perceived knowledge with that. There may not be. You might be just really good and have no idea how you're doing what you're doing. Uh, but like, let's say there's some perceived knowledge with being very good. Is there another skill you can you can stack with it? And I, what what you were um, alluding to earlier is like this whole idea of like the the influencer. Mm-hmm. I think that's the problem is is too many to this day. That seems to be the direction that most parkour athletes run into and. Uh, guys like uh, Dom, who, Dom, hello if you're listening, uh, he'll kind of point to some of these uh, people like your, like Verky or Ed Scott and say like, oh yeah, they're, they're almost pro or they're, they're going to be like pro. Like he seems to have this definition of pro being like, okay, they're making, they're producing content, um, they're doing it all the time and that's what they're getting paid for. Uh, and I agree that that is like kind of a thing, but it's, it's so limited. There's so few people that can actually do that. Um, and the skill set that you have to stack with being really good at parkour is now you have to be a content creator on top of it. Yes. Um, and it's really helpful and it will be helpful one day if, um, that, that content creation skill can be passed off onto someone else. Of course. What we're talking about is being an entrepreneur, and if you're going to be a parkour entrepreneur, you have to learn the skills first, get really good at them before you can hire someone else to I take them over. I don't know if you know this, but Dom has actually gotten to this point now. Yes, I, I, I actually um, checked with him because I was really impressed with a, a recent um, blog he did. Mm-hmm. It was like a golf course thing, yeah, and yeah, his dad and yeah. stuff, and I asked him in a comment, like, do you still edit these? Because it was, it was quite well done. Uh, and he said, not all of them anymore. So, yeah. so he's actually got, so congratulations um, on reaching the next level of you know entrepreneurship, is? Dom. Who's, who's editing for him? Danny Marmalejo. Oh, sick. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations so, to both of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Two it's, entrepreneurs it's, getting together. Yeah, it's super cool. Making parkour their life. Beautiful. Anyway, this, this is potentially a whole other topic yeah. um, well, of like parkour and entrepreneurship. Uh, well, it's just like this is the this is the unfortunate side to the whole Instagram uh, thing with parkour. It's like mm-hmm. you have you 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 make cool video for Instagram, or you do something cool in parkour, it goes viral. You get followers. Now all of a sudden, it's like, am I going to be an influencer? <laughs> am I going to create? You know, am I going to do some? I'm gonna. I'm just going to post about this protein powder that I'm using. I'm yeah. going to get the deal, the brand deals. Mm-hmm. And again, for some people it can work, but then you also have to, you have to not only do the content creation, be the awesome parkour athlete, but you also have to sell yourself to brands mm-hmm. and like pit, you know, do the whole pitching and, mm-hmm. um, and negotiating that comes along mm-hmm. with it. I would, I would love to get in 
to this in another episode. Great. Yeah, let's save it so for another do, one. Uh, Put that one in our back. <laughs> uh, there is another category of, of youngster I wanted to bring up, though. Okay. Um, so kind of topic of, of today is um, burning out from parkour, quitting parkour, um, but specifically when you're young and talented. Mm-hmm. You're young and hot, and then you get too hot and you burn out. Uh, but the other category is kids that enter a parkour program that are wicked athletic. So these are the kids that come in and right off the bat you're, you're coaching and you have this whole group of beginners and then there's this one kid that's just sticking out uh, like a sore thumb because you tell them to do something and they're already on to like step five. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is like still on step one. These kids often quit. Yeah. More, more often than not. These are the ones that, and I, I think what you were saying earlier about like, oh, don't get attached to the good kids. These are the ones where we were talking to some of our junior coaches the other day about this. These are the ones where it's especially important not to get too worked up into, um, because they haven't shown a true love for parkour yet is, is, is also a part of it. Like they've just shown like ability. And I almost think it's like almost wrong to give them more attention. And it's very easy to fall into that trap because as a coach, you're just excited that like this kid might be like listening to you um, and is, <laughs> is progressing very quickly. And you're just like, oh, what else can I get them? You know, you're, you're in this whole like um, puppeteer sort of mindset where you're like, what, what can I get them to do? Um, but they, they have almost like a higher likelihood of quitting than the kid in your class who's like struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's, it's interesting because it's almost wrong to give them more attention, but it's, it's often what they will, will need, right? Mm-hmm. Because they might be getting to the, they might get to the point where they're bored of the activity that you're doing and they actually need the additional attention to be like okay well how can i actually experience more challenge that's going to help me grow as a person if i'm just doing the thing and i'm already nailing it and i'm perfect then you know i'm gonna need more challenge to direct me into uh feeling the flow state or whatever Mm -hmm. so there's so there's there's that side of it. There, like like I, I said before, actually that they might also be at risk of early plateau of like they're really good right away, and then they're like cool, I'm really good, and then they're more likely to kind of like plateau out, which means you know there's a lot of risks of of quitting parkour mm-hmm. as a result of that. But uh, there's one other reason reason they quit. One other reason I feel like they they quit. I thought you were gonna jump on it. Because uh, t- I think it's, uh, I think you agree, it's pursuing another sport. Oh yeah, duh. That's the obvious. <laughs> it's pursuing another sport, absolutely. Because they're, well, they they've probably actually already been playing another sport, so they're probably already good at some other activity, and they're just coming to parkour because like, oh cool, that'd be fun. And then when it comes time to, you know, round twelve to fourteen, it's like, all right, well, you can keep doing this niche sport that nobody really knows anything about, and there's not really any formalized competitive 
avenue for you and there's really no real strong career paths or you can play division one soccer or you know <laughs> you can move whatever division i don't know mm. what that means even but you can move into the activity that you have probably been doing longer than parkour mm -hmm. or maybe have developed a higher interest in and just you're gonna yeah. excel there too the other reason i wanted to um, touch on because this usually happens again you have a kid who's really talented uh, right from the, the get-go, um, if they're going to quit, they're probably going to quit within like their first year. Uh, and I, I think one of the other reasons is actually um, they um, potentially progress too quickly mm. uh, and don't, and then if they are, and I guess it's a combination of that and then the other sports, because other sports just have so many measurable levels to like where you're at and like yeah. where where the next thing is, and because parkour is still lacking, um, uh, like the things things that these sort of kids typically want to do. Um, I'm sure there's people are going to comment that they kind of disagree with this sort of mindset, but like they need competitions, they need teams, uh, just so many other things that other sports provide and have like more fleshed out because they've been around for longer. And parkour is still kind of just like figuring out like how do we how do we facilitate this right um and so you have a kid who maybe comes into a gym most gyms at this point have like level systems or bands or something they get quickly put into the advanced group they're crushing it um and then yeah they're like what do i do now like what do i all right i'm better than everybody else in class so like what's what's what's, the what's next, next thing right? what's the thing that's going to be challenging and and i think one of the solutions potentially if we want to get into that is actually trying to get them a bit more into the culture um getting them to watch videos and stuff which is sometimes e easier said than done there's some kids that are just like this is like i do this once a week yes i'm crushing it yes i'm doing everything very easily but i do this once a week and i play soccer three times a week and eventually soccer is going to need more of my time and so that's what, so this is like already already they come in and you have the sense of like this is temporary totally yeah mm. well and, and also parents might might generally kind of like divert kids away from parkour because mm -hmm. uh i mean oh, it happens all the time yeah yeah it, it's it's like okay well yeah you could do parkour but you know we don't really see the like we're, we don't really see the result of your training really mm -hmm. you know like we don't get to watch a competition because competitions happen so rarely or we don't get to uh you know see what you're you know we just see you in class and it's like, oh cool he's doing the moves yeah that looks great but it's it's way it's way more likely that those parents need to be sold on parkour mm -hmm. and if they're not sold on parkour they're going to be like cool soccer is probably the better option here mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> Okay, because so. your team is going to the finals this year, Johnny. <laughs> you know, I don't know the last time I knew a kid named Johnny. <laughs> All right, so um, the two of us do have to uh, actually get into some coaching um, in a minute here. So uh, if we can sort of wrap this up with some, I guess, closing thoughts, because one of the things I mentioned there is is like, should this even be prevented? I guess for like from a business strategy, yes. Like if you're trying to grow your parkour coaching business you want all the kids to stay you know you want all of them to continue doing parkour um yeah i don't know if you have any closing thoughts on like what like what 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 should be done to i guess prevent um youngsters burning out or quitting um 
And anything, I guess, else you want to add? Protect them from injuries. <laughs> no, they, they, so I know, I don't know. Um, I think you actually mentioned it a little bit earlier, but it's just trying not to progress them too quickly while also making sure they're provided with enough challenge. So it's this really delicate balance of like, make sure they don't get bored, but make sure they also don't, aren't super overwhelmed with too much, too much uh, challenge. Uh, because that could also result in injury. You know, when plateaus happen, to still find ways to give them enjoyment in the sport. And then also integration into culture. The culture of parkour is cool. And so if you integrate them and get them watching videos, maybe to inspire them to do other things or try new things. Uh, and also encourage them to practice in non-structured uh, experiences, like outside of classes. So whether they're doing parkour outside, coming to sessions outside, or doing open gym, they should be doing that kind of thing and should demonstrating a, you know, you should try to encourage them to, dem to demonstrate a, um, a desire to improve outside of the scope of what you're trying to get them to improve at all the time. Uh, and then the last thing is to mention here is sometimes you can't stop it. <laughs> and so at a certain point, it's, it's going to be okay to mm. like, you know, there's going to be kids who are going to yeah. quit. There's going to be people you lose from your program. Mm -hmm. So you have to be okay with that too. Yeah. Don't get, don't get too easily heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like your, um, your first crush that like breaks up with you. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Oh. But what, what's, what's great though is that you know, I, I like to think of it, it's like always leave the door open, mm -hmm. right? It's like Jewel and Bodhi found their way back to parkour and it's so cool for me to see the people they've grown into now. And, uh, and it, you know, I could have, I could have like, you know, years ago, I could have written them off like, oh, you know, like they don't really care about parkour anymore. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, if you try to keep the line of, I mean, especially if you have a really good or close relationship with them, keep the line of communication open. Um, you don't, you know, not every interaction has to be about parkour either. Mm. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's really big. That's, yeah. I think that's important. Mm. You know, there's other facets to these individuals other than parkour. Mm -hmm. So like getting to know them on a personal level is going to be helpful too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's actually the only thing I really wanted to, um, touch on or add to, to there is, um, is the communication, particularly in the form of like reach outs, which is something that we're, uh, is actually a big focus for Origins right now that I, f I felt like we weren't doing enough of for a stretch of time. Uh, and this applies to like all age levels, right? Uh, is you'd have kids or people coming to your class and as a coach, sometimes you don't have a lot of control over their membership or communication or, or much else, um, depending on your, your program or the gym that you work out and how it's run. And so uh, a common um, pattern sometimes would be like coaches saying the words, whatever happened to, you know, insert name of, of the uh, student they liked, you know. Uh, and 
it's funny how long I let that um, become a thing for, because the, the solution is, is quite obvious. It's like, well, you have to reach out to these people. Um, I think if you're, if you're coaching and you're just kind of like checking in for your class and say, you know, you could, you could put as much energy and joy into a class as you want. Um, but, um, sometimes if the communication ends there, it's not going to be enough to make, uh, your students, members, clients, or you want to call them really, really feel cared about. And so if you really tr truly do care, uh, either the, the gym itself needs to, set aside time for like reach outs or make some sort of protocol, which we've, we've done a lot of now. Um, and it's also, a, it's a great business move um, to, uh, to actually show that you care, assuming you do. If you don't, you, know, you probably shouldn't be running or working in a parkour gym. <laughs> but uh, if, you, if you do actually care um, that people either stick with the program or, or you do care about, you know, um, how uh, your your coaching might be uh, affecting them uh, positively in their life. Uh, there's usually tons of opportunities to make that happen. It's just like the sometimes the incentive needs to be there for the coach or like employee to have like a time where like this is what you're doing. You're gonna you know open up your class list and um, uh, write some greeting cards or emails or um, call some kids that were absent and you know just check in to make sure they're all right. Um, yeah, these are all things that like we're still learning and still trying to figure out but they they in like retrospect they seem like very obvious as like these these were the steps that should have been taken a long time ago um i think that uh myself personally i can say that i i um uh let my own sort of like introverted beliefs um and overthinking get in the way of like reaching out when when it was time to reach out yeah well said Okay, I think uh, we're going to end the conversation there. So thanks so much for tuning in. Please leave us a like, a comment would be awesome. Tell us about your favorite kid who quit parkour. Oh, my God. Uh, or adult. It could be an adult. Um, and with that, we're going to end the conversation there. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week.